Hi, Tim Bennett here from this past team at BTL. Now, today we're going to be talking about EduFuturis. Now, this sounds like a, an interesting collective, uh, but we first, well, I first came across the EduFuturis uh, as part of a podcast series. Now, if you've not looked them up, then I really strongly recommend that you go to your favorite podcast channel, the one that you're possibly listening to this on, and search for EduFuturis, and you'll be looking for Stephen Hope, Ben Whitaker and Dan Fitzgerald. And these three guys are absolutely passionate about the use of technology in education. So much so, we invited them to come along to this past conference this year in Newcastle to give us their take on what they feel so passionate about and how, as a community, we can all work together to change things. Now, Ben was the presenter for this, and what was really, really interesting is that he used his daughter as an example as to... the, the the technology, technological experience, I suppose, she's going to encounter over the next uh, 13 years or so of her uh, education journey. I'll let Ben do all the talking. He's a very passionate speaker, and all I'm going to say is, viva the revolution. Over to you, Ben. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is me. Um, so we're going to talk today a little bit around... Um, education and the future of education and how that maybe fits into it. When the, the brief that I was given really was, you've heard lots of things about education and technology, um, and what we're going to do is we want you to come in and talk about what's actually happening in the classroom from an educational point of view. So um, hopefully, as an alternative keynote, it is super alternative for you. I've got the clicker, is over here. So this is us. Um, there's three of us. We are we run a podcast. Um, we do su a summit and we do online training for education. So we are all serving teachers. Um, Dan is a secondary teacher. Me and Steve are both in FE, but we both come from secondary backgrounds prior to that. Um, but we this podcast that we run, Edufuturist, and there's some stickers and pens and stress balls. I don't know why we got stress balls for teachers, but but we did. Uh, for our conference, and we're putting these out there for you as well, is the whole point of this is about uh, by educators for educators, and that's why we do what we do. So I just ask, want to put a question to you as we, uh, as we start this keynote. What's the predicted year for the first fully automated farm from planting to harvest? Anybody want to suggest it? If you know the answer, please don't ruin it. Anybody want to shout out a year? 2032? 2020? Any advance on 2020? 2025, okay. The answer is 2017. It already happened. So, right from planting to harvest, 2017 was when the first fully automated farming structure happened. We're in a position now where technology is changing the way that everything functions. I'll just leave that there to make you think an AI machine will write a New York Times bestseller by 2049 and then by 2053, I don't know how you feel about that one, that's the prediction. Now, it's always problematic when you try and uh, predict the future, which lots of people have tried to do that and failed miserably, but these are some predictions that are potentially coming out about technology. So this is me, that's what I look like every, every 
day, all day. That excited. My wife, uh, some people believe she deserves a medal. Um, but I am currently have a, a dual role. So I am a curriculum manager at Burnley College. So I look after apprenticeships, commercial um, at Burnley College. And I'm also a director at Edufuturist. I've put some um, social tags there and the email address. We'd love you to be in, in, in contact because we are, for the podcast, if anybody's interested in, in discussing what they're doing in terms of technology, we'd love to speak to you. But I want to put that number out there. So I've talked about that number 2032. Let me want to sh give me an idea about why that might be significant for me. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what? That would, that, if I could retire in 2032, that would be wonderful. Okay? It's a, it's a great answer. Anybody else want to give me another suggestion? Okay, so that is the year that my five-year-old daughter is set to finish compulsory education. 2032. And when you get to 2032, you're starting to ask the question about what will the world look like in 2032? And I start thinking about the things from what my daughter is going to experience and what she is currently doing in education now that is preparing her for 2032. Um, and the likelihood is, whether we like this or not, by 2032... My daughter, who will be 18 at that point, is very, very unlikely to need a driving licence. The world is changing. It's very, very unlikely to be holding a mobile phone in her hand. She's probably going to be wearing it, or it's going to be in her. She's going to be able to communicate ubiquitously everywhere. What's 7G, 8G, 9G going to look like? What's it going to look like for my daughter? Because I think 13 years ago, or 12 years ago, but just forgive me for the year, this came out. And this changed everything. Changed everything. The first smartphone changed the way we did everything. I don't know if anybody remembers that launch by when Steve Jobs came up and he had the picture of the iPhone and then all these things around it that it was replacing. A digital camera, a sat-nav. Who buys sat-navs anymore? Just think, just imagine if you were a tom-tom. And overnight, these lot put you out of business. Next year, that is the amount of pieces of information that is set to be transferred via mobile networks. That's 20 zeros. That's what's going to happen next year. That's the amount. Of, that did not happen 12 years ago. Think about the changes that are happening. Now, this guy, and the, the full picture has him in a, what I think must be a Star Trek uniform or something similar, or, or his, 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 his uniform for the Illuminati, I don't know. But this is, then who he is? This is Klaus, that name, um, who is the founder and chairman of the board of the World Economic Forum. And he predicted and said that there is a paradigm shift underway, and he was the person that was, was quite influential in, in using that phrase, the fourth industrial revolution, or industry 4.0. So it's, it's, things are changing how we work and communicate. And I've been really excited listening to some of the sessions here, because I'm listening to industries and platforms that are really thinking about assessment and learning in the modern age. We're thinking about e-learning platforms. And I come from a sector... And it was great uh, this morning to hear about what's happening in Wales and all the stuff that's there. And I'm like, 
I can't wait for this to happen in England. Is it really going to ever happen? Well, it's inevitable that it is going to happen, but it just seems to take so long, doesn't it? And I'm listening to industry that are actually doing this. You're doing your online testing and you're doing lots of amazing stuff around digital assessment because there's a paradigm shift underway. And for me in education, I'm believing that there is a paradigm shift. I have my fist at the bottom, but I'm believing there's viva la revolution, that things are going to come, and that's what we're trying to do with the Edufuturists. So... The World Economic Forum that we talked about believes that these jobs in the next 20 years will not exist. So you'll be able to take some of them. Travel agent, well, we, don't, we won't mention the aforementioned what happened recently. But some of these jobs, don't, I know you're not, you're not going to believe it, but this morning for my breakfast, I went into a McDonald's. I know you think, what, a body like that? And you, <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, sometimes. Uh, sometimes I have let myself have junk food. Um, but I went into McDonald's and I spoke to nobody. I went in, put my thing on, me, on, on the screen, paid for it online, and then the person who brought it out to me just put a number out, 005, and then just passed it to me. Didn't even say anything to me. And I was like, we're getting to a point where we don't even need humans in McDonald's. So where are, where are people that we always said, if you don't work hard you're going to end up working at McDonald's, where are they going to work? <laughs> but things are changing. And LinkedIn tells us these are the kind of jobs that are going to exist next year. They're going to be the top jobs. Human rights lawyers around um, self-driving cars. Developers. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, You love developers, we love developers. But we, are we in education preparing young people for that kind of career? And I, I, I would argue probably not. <laughs> I, lo I, I love that. Um, but why do you care? Why does anybody care? So, so what? Because the truth is, every time I go into education, every time I go into a meeting, and I'm quite fortunate I get to go into schools and colleges other than Burnley College to talk about strategy and developing digital technologies and some of the stuff I've done around Google and, and I go up and down the country and around Europe talking about developing strategies for digital technologies especially around the new offset inspection framework and all that kind of stuff, it's amazing and people say three things are, the, are, are, are stumbling blocks, barriers the obvious ones, everybody says, we haven't got enough time, we haven't got enough money. Yeah? But schools are going to mourn about that until kingdom come. Teachers don't get paid enough and they haven't got enough time. Okay? I was a teacher, I didn't have enough money, didn't have enough time, and I won't be retaining in 2032 because of that. <laughs> but the truth is, one of the other big reasons is that, is that we, we I heard it said this morning, we live in Vic Victorian times in schools. It's horrendous. So I go and speak to a head teacher and say, I've got this great idea. Why don't you embed Google Classroom as your, as your um, way to deliver homework? Or you can use this and get one-to-one -one devices and we can, we can get all this wonderful infrastructure and you can do all these amazing things that are going to save teachers time and it's going to be amazing. But then they say, yeah, that's all all right. But when they're 16 or when they're 11 or when they're 18, they're going to sit in an exam hall for three hours with a pen and a piece of paper. And that floor, by the way, is exactly what my floor looked like at school. I don't know if anybody else's exam will look like that. It, it, it brought back that memory and that fear. And I was talking to some students the other day when we were at uh, university graduation with some of our learners. And I said, 
my teachers every day used to wear those gowns to assembly and used to walk in like they were from Hogwarts or something. And that floor and those tables and that rattle and being the one that needed a piece of cardboard that, that was stuck underneath it. But the truth is, we laugh and joke about it, but our learners in schools, this is what they're faced with. The issue isn't time and money. The issue is that. And I want to suggest that I'm going to talk about some things that are happening in education, some of the amazing revolutions that are happening in terms of teaching and learning that are happening in the workplace. And I've seen today evidence, and there's continued evidence, of innovative industry. But then we've got this massive elephant in the room where the link between it, the bridge between it, is broken. Exams are broken. They are a necessary evil. But I would argue that the way, the, the way that it's delivered isn't particularly necessary. And so there's a, we've got this amazing technology stuff, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and we've got this amazing industry that's doing cutting-edge stuff. But then to get from one to the next, they've got to go through that exam hall with the rickety tables, the funny floor, the pen, the paper. They're putting their hand up, asking for extra sheets. Now, I've done some work with some of the exam boards. Some of them might be represented here, so I won't name them by names. So, and this is, this is the process. For those of you in, who are not in schools or not, don't remember this from schools, is that exam papers are delivered manually, paper, delivered, and they're put in this vault, this lockable place that has to have all these regulations and bars and locks and keys and only certain people allowed to access it. And then... They go and sit in the dreaded exam hall, the dungeon, and then, once they've finished it, they collect them all up, and then they go through a, a plethora of elastic bands. Okay, I think about elastic bands and how, how, how much fun exams officers must have with elastic bands, because they, 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 they must keep, whoever makes elastic bands, I don't know who they are, whoever makes them must keep them in business, exams. And they pack them into a pack, and then they get them into this vault again until the right date, they turn them on a delivery again, and then this is what this is this is freaks me out the most. It goes back into the exam centre. Somebody, whether it's a machine, I don't know, rips the corner off, the edge off, scans it into a machine, makes it digital, and they send it to these examiners who mark it digitally. Are we being serious? That's the state. That's the state of digitisation of exams in the UK for most schools and colleges. And I, I, I don't know, is, is, is nobody listening? That, 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 that is the most ridiculous flowchart I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Think about it. Just, 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 just uh, we digitise it here. At the, and, then so, and then me, the monkey that's having to do all this and mark it, is having to read somebody's illegible scroll that's been scanned into a computer. Why, why is nobody saying... And maybe they are, maybe you guys are the future of this, and maybe we're championing this, and we'll be, on your, we'll be on your side, you've got people who will champion this. Why don't we digitise it right from the beginning? No lost scripts. Yay. No leaked maths papers for the 27th year running. No elastic bands. No vaults. No crazy exam officers that think that they're... They obviously got bullied in school, so they have to be um, 
strict about your nope, nope, it can't be open yet, it's not nine o'clock exactly. But the truth is, is that any of this revolutionary stuff, this kind of 21st century thinking and all these amazing collaboration that's happening in classrooms, you've got teachers on the ground that are doing this. And they're rogue teachers that are going out and saying, I know you tell me I've got to do this, but I've got a great idea and I, I, I like students and I like learning, so I'm going to do something revolutionary. And the, the schools, the, the, maybe some of these rogue head teachers are waiting for the exam boards, the government, the industry that's doing this to come in and say enough's enough. That flowchart is ridiculous. And I want to talk about some of the things really quickly that, that are revolutionising learning. I, I, last week I was doing some, some training on Lego. I don't know if anybody's used Lego from a, since we did building block when we were kids. And some of the stuff that Lego is doing in terms of interaction and, and creativity and collaboration and systematic thinking and problem solving and science and technology and engineering and math and what Lego, how Lego is being used for that. I was given a box of EV3 Mindstorm Lego and I said, they were I was told, this is the brick, the brain, these are the motors, here's some wires. What I want you to do, this is the challenge I was set, literally just like this. This is what that does, this is what this does, this is what this does. Okay, I want you to build a car that moves exactly one metre. Off you go. And automatically I knew that I would be able to do that. Because it, Lego is intuitive, I know how to use it. But what I'm doing is I'm using all of this self-efficacy and I'm using all these skills around communication. I'm using all this self-organisation and productivity and problem solving to be able to find an answer to this. And I'm iterating things. I'm doing something and it's not going exactly where I want it to go. So I change it a little bit. I change it a little bit. I create prototypes. I'm using that design thinking that actually people are doing this in schools, yet we've still got that bloody exam hall that they're sitting in with a funny floor and the wobbly tables. I'm working with companies like Learning by Questions who are, who are trying to do, digitise some of the, uh, the exam questions or the repetitive questions to help teachers and students use technology to, to be able to measure progress in maths, English and science primarily. And it won a, a better award. And I'm working with people like Textelp who, who develop Equatio to make maths digital because you, you know maths and science teachers say, well, that's all right, but when can you do an equation on a computer? You show me the iPad app that allows me to put one of those square roots or something on it. You've just found it. Don't tell me you can't do maths digitally. Or we're using Google Cardboard or Pear Deck or some of the things around Flipgrid or a Jamboard. I don't know if anybody's used Google's Jamboard app or the Jamboard kiosk device where there's collaboration. And literally, just last week, I was working with a school in America that were dialing in directly into my lesson with digital marketing students. And we were talking about their experiences of project planning and email marketing and some suggestions. And it was live and it was collaborative on one, one screen. All the students all had devices that they were interacting on this one document. No copy and paste. No writing a pen pal. Live, in the moment, collaborative engagement. And the truth is, 
that in the classrooms, things are happening, these things are happening right now. Google Data Studio, we interviewed on the podcast Darren Simons from Suffolk, uh, Suffolk New College, and he was using Google Data Studio to help teachers and school leaders deal with their data. And so this data was not just numbers, and I was, in fact I was talking with Dan uh, from Edufuturist just the other day around um, their school want question level analysis um, f for each individual subpart, so they can do some analysis around where students are struggling, and what they want to do is they want to input that into Sims, and this is what this as their as their uh, management system. And ultimately, these people, these teachers, that are already that we've already got a shortage of, that are already telling us they're overworked and underpaid. What we're saying to them is, what I want you to do is I want you to do some amazing formative assessment with your learners, use something like Google Forms or Microsoft Forms and create, it pings out a spreadsheet for you with all this data, question level analysis, and then what I want you to do is I want you to sit with that printout, because you can't really do it on a computer because you haven't got split screens because we couldn't afford split screens, surely not. And I want you to type in manually all those numbers into that Sims mark sheet. Because what's happening is, we're trying to digitise, we're trying to be collaborative, and teachers are really working hard to get free tools, Google Cardboard, up there, cheap or, cheap or free tools to do virtual reality in, school, in classrooms on a budget. And now we've still got that broken link. So what are we trying to do about it? We want to celebrate people that are doing that, and that is what Edufuturist is about. So we did, we did our first award ceremony last year. Uh, where we uh, recognised some great people from around the UK who were doing great things. And we wanted to ch champion that and say, this is what is happening. These people are trying to do something different. I read your Futurist of the Year, Aftab Hussain from Bolton College. He's doing some amazing stuff around digital assistance in the classroom. Chatbots that, that students and teachers can talk to and ask questions like, how am I doing in my lessons currently? And it literally gives them a breakdown of what they've been doing because it's feeding out of their... MIS system and it's just just cool technology stuff that is making teachers lives and students lives better. We had some great um, sponsors there last year and that's what we're doing again. So what we're doing ultimately as Edufuturist is not um, not just about making a big song and dance about why schools are broken. We're trying to fix it and I, and I love that I'm in uh, company with people here who are doing this in industry, trying to drive this forward in education, and I, and I absolutely hats off to the people that are doing it. We are with you. Education needs it. We can't afford another generation. We can't afford to predict in 2004 it's going to take five years, and we're still 15 years later, and it's not happening. 2032, it can't not be there for my daughter. That's why I do this. That's the reason why I get all passionate. That's the reason why I'm all hot and flustered up here. That's the reason why I travel up from wonderful Lancashire. That's the reason why we work hard, because it's my daughter. It's your daughter. It's your granddaughter. It's your neighbour's children, who, if we don't do something, and do something quickly, and we, and we, we can make that happen. We've seen... I won't go into it, political things, but we've seen young people who are literally changing the world right now because she just said, enough's enough. 
And I genuinely believe, and I'm not just trying to be dramatic because I'm doing the last keynote, so let's fire them all up before they go out and get, have a drink. <laughs> what, I'm sat, what I'm studying is saying is, we cannot waste any more time. And um, we'd love you to join us. We'd love to hear from what you, the stuff that you're doing in industry and how that can affect education. And we'd love to do some partnership with you. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for that, Ben. That was absolutely insightful. Everyone that was in that presentation was absolutely hooked to what Ben was saying. Now, you can watch this presentation in full, uh, see the slides and uh, visuals from the uh, presentation at the conference. Uh, you can go to conference.spass.com and look up the conference archive and look for 2019. If you aren't uh, already subscribing to Edufuturist, then like I say, I recommend you do so. They have some absolutely amazing presentations and speakers on their sessions. Not just people from the school community, but also people from the wider economic community and, and businesses and associations which are all connected with the idea of uh, furthering education and the use of technology. So thank you to Ben and the team to for coming to this past conference. We really do appreciate it. And I think everyone left that presentation with an absolute buzzing smile on the face about how they can make a difference. So let's please do all try and make a difference. If you want more information on SPAS, then go to btl.com SPAS. If you want more information on SPAS, then go to btl.com slash SPAS. And if you want any more information from myself, drop me a line at marketing at btl.com. So my name is Tim Burnett. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today and I hope to see you soon. All right. Bye bye.